you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome into another Move the Sticks here on a Monday. I'm Brett Lewis here with our former NFL scouts, lead draft analyst Daniel Jeremiah, Bucky Brooks, ready to rock and roll here for you. A little bit of that kind of hype hangover here on a Monday <laughs> following Sunday night and the most hyped game, I think, ever in the regular season. Did it live up to the billing? Well, first of all, I still have the Adele song cranking in my head. Uh, but no, I thought I thought it was kind of a little bit of a slow game. But then as we got to the second half, I'm like, okay, this is pretty fun. Yeah, it was pretty fun. Yeah, I had a great appreciation for it because I like a defensive slugfest. Sure. I thought it was a great tactical game, so I enjoyed it. Well, let's kick it off right there. Jets-Titans close second on how we were going to lead this uh, this show <laughs> off here. But we Flip are going to begin the big three with the Patriots and the Bucks. Tom Brady's first ever game at Gillette Stadium in the visitors' locker room. Oh, boy, coming down to the end, oh, Levante David right there. Biggest play of the game for the Bucks defense. Third and three deflection, setting up the 56-yarder from Nick Falk with the doink. And Tom Brady wins in Foxborough. You coached uh, Tom Brady in practice for 20 years, but this is the first time you went ahead uh, against him in a game. What was the experience like going? We, we, look, we went against Tom Brady every day, every day in practice defensively. So it's not like we've never seen Tom Brady before. Was the experience of coaching against him in a game any different? Yeah, they're a good football team. He's a great quarterback. I mean, I think that's all that goes without saying. I would say so much is made of, of our relationship. And, um, you know, as I said earlier this week, you know, from a player standpoint, you just expect the coach to give you everything he's got. And as a, I'm sure as a player, that's what he was hoping for me. But um, nothing's really accurate that I ever see. It's all kind of, uh, you know, definitely doesn't come from, my personal feelings or beliefs. And I have a lot of respect for him as a coach and obviously a lot of respect for this organization and, um, you know, all the different people here that try to make it successful. I mean, were we not scrutinizing, like, every piece of the interactions <laughs> that Brady was having with teammates, with his coach? Look, ends up – it wasn't his best night, I mean, that we saw. I mean, is that basically your takeaway from this Bucks offense? You know, it was interesting, kind of takeaway from the big picture from yeah. this game. I thought when you looked at both defenses, both defenses met or exceeded expectation. I, I would say the Patriots offense, kind of what you expected to see from them, I thought they were at or above that level – Really, the Tampa offense was kind of the most disappointing aspect of this whole game. And it wasn't just Tom Brady. He missed some throws, no doubt. They have five drops in this game, including one at the end to Antonio Brown, which would have been a signature, kind of a walk-off winner there. It was a beautiful ball from Brady. Uh, but I just didn't feel like they ever really got a rhythm or found, uh, you know, getting in sync. It just it was a little bit off, and I know they're, they're very fortunate to get out of there with a win. Yeah, there were a couple of things from the Bucks offense that were kind of interesting to me. Where was Chris Godwin? I mean, arguably, you know, they like got one, a deep one of the ball big early and that They was took it. him out yeah. of there. Uh, really felt like Jalen Mills was lined up over top of him, whether it was man or zone, just kind of lined up over top of him for most of this game. And we didn't really hear from him. And then where would the Bucks' offense have been without Leonard Fournette? 
thought he was he was really good on the ground against the Patriots, making uh, some big plays in that aspect of the game. So those two things within the Bucks offense, I thought were kind of interesting, and uh, and I know we'll get into that. But it was that part of the Patriots' defensive game plan, which was definitely going to be one of the more scrutinized pieces of this game. Yeah, you know, I think Bill Belichick got a great game plan for Tom Brady. Having known Tom Brady for so long, he obviously understood what made him tick. They changed coverage. They mixed in a bunch of different things. But then the Patriots also did what they do. They play a lot of man-to-man. They locked up. They played their guys versus their, the Bucks and yeah. had a lot of success. And so this, to me, for the Patriots, was probably the best that they could play. And they did it on a big stage, which is why we're talking about them today. Yeah, one thing I would say, that maybe the one mistake for the Patriots, they didn't do it much, but when they went cover zero, Tom Brady, I don't know if there's many instances of him not dialing it up yeah. and defeating cover zero. He's going to see it every single time. He's going to find the matchup he wants. He's going to deliver the football accurately. So I'm sure Steve Belichick would like to have that call back in this game. But overall, yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I, I think the Patriots executed really you know, pretty well on both sides of the ball. But you come back to the end of it, it's a loss. Yeah. You didn't score many points. You go spend $300 million in free agency. I mean, like expectations, I know, look, Mac Jones was, did some really good things and, and played well and was efficient, did what was asked of him. they got to score more points. That, yeah. that defense for the Bucks missing all the pieces in the secondary that they had, they just didn't generate any explosive plays. Well, and that's the thing. Like, the, you're not going to run up against the Bucks defense week in and week out. Clearly one of the very best, if not the best, in football in defending the run. But when the Patriots can't run, then what, Bucky? What are the answers at that point? I don't know what the answers are right. because what you do have is a very slow team. We saw the Patriots. Whenever the Patriots are in trouble, we're going to see every trick play known to man. Yeah. We saw two trick plays. We saw a bunch of different things that they're trying screens. to do to create explosive plays. They just don't have enough explosive players. And ultimately, in this league, it comes down to that. Do you have guys who can generate explosive plays? Yeah. And they don't have enough, which is why every game is a slugfest like this last one. And look, you mentioned the $300 million. It was talked about often during yeah. the broadcast last night, and rightly so. And look, I think we all know that in free agency, you got to overpay to get guys, right? And so whether you overpay to get John New Smith and Hunter Henry, they just haven't felt like a big enough part of the game plan to warrant that kind They're of just commitment. missing the dynamic element. That's, yeah, that's what the dynamic missing. element on the outside as well. Those deep throws we'll get into with Mac Jones here in just a bit. But let's get to game two of our big three as we do here every Monday. All right, game two, Cardinals-Rams right next door here at SoFi Stadium. And the NFC West showdown, unbeaten teams here, Cardinals and Rams, two of the top three scoring offenses in football, but it was Arizona proving the more potent attack in this one. Scored on all five trips into the red zone, and they've now put up 30 or more in all four games this season and become the first to throw up 30 on the Rams' defense in a calendar year. 37-20 the final there, and take a look at what Kyler Murray has been guiding this offense to. Talking about teams that have started 4-0, and that have put up 30-plus and 400-plus total yards in each of their first four. That's a good well, news, bad news situation on right. that board. You win the MVP, <laughs> you lose the Super Bowl. So yeah. look, I guess that means the Cardinals are getting to the playoffs here. Uh, but Bucky, what, what have you noticed from Kyler Murray, and in particular his command of this Cliff Kingsbury offense here in year three? Well, obviously, like when I think about this offense, I think about Cliff Kingsbury matching up with Kyler Murray and trying to put together an explosive attack. And it is all that, and it's all about Kyler Murray. This offense runs through him. His big-time ability as a thrower, plus his electric running skills, he always gives them a way out. But this is fast-break basketball. They are taking it up. It kind of reminds me of, you remember those old Loyola Marymount teams? Oh, yeah, used to go Gathers, up and down the floor. Bo Kimmel? Gathers, no. Bo Kimmel, they're trying to put nice. 130 on the board. This is how the Arizona Cardinals play. When... 
when you sit down to watch them play, you can't get up to go get a drink because they're already in the end zone. This is, I mean, a tremendous pace that they play at. And because they're able to run the ball and the defense is getting just enough stops, it's a tough team to play. That is the key for me. This was a balanced Cardinals attack. I think they ended up running the ball more than they actually threw it in yes. this game. And when they did run it, Bucky, they were running it against five and six-man boxes. But if you're the Rams, how else do you defend this Cardinals offense when you've got that threat on the perimeter from A.J. Green, DeAndre Hopkins, Rondell Moore, Christian Kirk? I mean, Chase Edmonds in this Cardinals run game had eight explosive runs. They had five combined in each of their first three games. So it kind of goes back, DJ, to that point you were making about how to defend the Chiefs, you're willing to give up those seven yeah. and eight yard runs, yeah. but man, the, the Cardinals were getting those at a very frequent pace, and they were going, they were stick movers. As I was, well. I was thinking of a few good men. Uh, you remember when Colonel Jessup says, "You want to investigate me? Roll the <laughs> dice and take your chances. You want to play man to man against me and, and leave these guys all alone? Go ahead, take your shot." Uh, teams aren't going to do that, and you have to be patient if you're the Arizona yeah. Cardinals, and that's what they did. I, I flip it over to the other side though for that Cardinals defense because I went to watch the tape and see, okay. You know, what have they done? This Rams offense has been so good. Is there something unique or creative or how, how they the slow this group right. down? And, and really, they put a shell over the top of the defense. There was really one opportunity for a deep ball. Byron Murphy recovers and makes an unbelievable play to pick it off. But outside of that, really, it was just Matthew Stafford missing throws. There were some intermediate shots that were there. Oh, there's one. He was pulling the string on it. They had, they had seam balls. They had in cuts. This one down here at the, towards the end of the game uh, would have prolonged this game. It just it wasn't a clean, crisp game from Matthew Stafford, which is going to happen. You're not going to sure. make it through the whole season without one of these. This was this was the one. All right, uh, first loss of the season for the Rams. Cardinals now sitting at four and first place in the NFC West. Let's move to Game Three here on the Big Three, and we'll go down to Arlington, Texas. Panthers and Cowboys. And for this one, man, what a difference a run game and an improved defense has made for the Cowboys this season. Season high, 245 rushing yards for Dallas on a Panthers defense that came in ranked number one in terms of yards allowed per game. And, man, that third quarter was really huge for the Cowboys. Three touchdown mm. third quarter that really separated what was a close game early on. And look, we got to start right with what it comes back to, DJ, and that's the run game for the Cowboys. Yeah, and it was, look, Zeke Elliott's going to get a lot of credit. He ran really hard. It looked like he had a little more juice in this game. He looked explosive. But this was about the offensive line to me. And you know what you're going to get from Big 77 and Tyron Smith. He was outstanding. Zach Martin did his thing. But, guys, Terrence Steele, haven't seen him up close with the Chargers and then seeing him on the tape this year, he has shocked me with how well he is playing at this early stage of his career. He is a good, good football player. And this is a Cowboys team buck that feels like whatever kind of fight they find themselves in, whatever style you want to go, uh, you know, push the ball vertically down the field, you want to be a line of scrimmage game, they can do whatever you want to do. Now, they absolutely can do whatever you want to do. And what I love about them is they understand who they are. Kellen Moore last week ahead of the game talked about it's about players, not plays. And he talked about taking what the defense is giving up. And when you have Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott, Amari Cooper, C.D. Lamb, you have two tight ends that are emerging, Dalton Schultz and Blake Jarwin, you really can do whatever it is that you want to do, particularly when the offensive line is playing the way that they're playing. The Dallas Cowboys are a problem because they can run it at you. They can throw it over your head. you got a quarterback playing at an MVP level. Yeah. This is the best version of the Cowboys we've seen in some time. Dak, Dak Prescott makes the right decision darn near every snap. And I'm not just talking about where to throw the football. He's, he picks his spots when he wants to take off and use his legs as well. I mean, he's just playing flawless football right Such now. Such an yeah. important quality when we're evaluating quarterbacks is that decision-making <laughs> skill. Like when we get enamored.
enamored with the arm strength. He get enamored with the accuracy. But man, he's that decision in, making, man. He, he is, is locked, locked in. in. Uh, no question. Okay, let's uh, let's look here at Sam Darnold and the Panthers because they're playing without their best player yeah. and Christian McCaffrey. I thought they held up well for the most part. I mean, Sam Darnold's got five rushing touchdowns on the season. That was at one point was your league leader in the NFL in rushing touchdowns at the end of the first half of this game and a couple of interceptions in that game that we looked at that, yeah. were, that he'd love to have back that really contributed to that three touchdown third quarter that kind of made things uh, tough to get. But right now, Sam Darnold to DJ Moore. That's one of the best QB to wide receiver combinations in football. I don't think the Panthers are going anywhere. I feel like we're going to be talking about them. No, the Panthers are going to be fine. But, Buck, my biggest takeaway from this game, that Panthers defense, we've talked about them on the show. They are loaded, they are fast, they are physical, and they got their butts kicked by the Dallas Cowboys offense. Well, when you load up, because Matt Rule has told us that the way you build your defense, you build it with speed. Well, what you do is you run right at the speed, which is what the Cowboys did. And so when you have a smaller defensive front, smaller linebackers and those things, the best thing the Cowboys were able to do is move yeah. them off the ball, give it to those rock'em, sock'em robots at running back, and they had their <laughs> rock way. Rock'em, sock'em, road spots <laughs> at running back. That is an alliteration and all in one. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Now time for a little rookie report card. Do you need, here, by, by the way, do you need a red pen? Because I don't think you've ever marked anybody's no. paper since we've been no. doing these report cards. All pass, Bill. Let me see that. Let me get this thing going because you're about to get an F here. <laughs> All right. Let's kick this thing off by going back to Thursday night football here, Bucky, and checking in on Trevor Lawrence uh, with what he did against the Bengals. I thought Trevor Lawrence was very solid, so I'm going to give him a B. I'm going to give him a B because I thought he managed the game very well. We saw him utilize all the, the traits that we really look for in a young quarterback. He was very efficient and effective when it came to passing. But the athleticism utilized his feet. They put him in some situations that they used to do at Clemson. Let him run zone read. Let him get used to being a part of the run game. That really opened up what he did in the passing game. I thought this was one of the better performances that we've seen from Trevor Lawrence thus far. Golly, give him at least a B plus, Buck. I mean, Jeez. B. Well, it, he made it, some big time you know, plays. Third and twos. He wins. Had, he gets the B plus. I think they had three third and twos with with conversions. No, but no, pluses that's, don't that's, come that's easy. Man. All right, let me get to Zach Wilson because oh, it's boy. been a rough go of it this year, but this was by far the best version of Zach Wilson yes. that we've seen. Uh, so when I watched the tape, I, I gave him an A minus, and I really I thought I could have been a little bit tough on him, even giving him the yep. minus on there. Because you saw the creativity. You saw the explosive plays. Um, to me, there's just mm. maybe two throws you'd like to have back. One that would have finished the game out in the flat. He just pulled the string. Um, had the one turnover. Oh, Don't yeah. worry about trying to piece together, you know, 14, 15 play drives. <laughs> just point. Just point. Yeah, go deep, Corey. I'll get it there. And he delivered a dime. He had about three or four off-platform throws that were incredible in this game. So, A-minus. The Jets got to be happy with this one. Every time that Zach Wilson makes one of these throws, I'm just like, I click back to the, the draft XO that <laughs> oh, we yeah. did, right? Yeah. Every time it's like lifts in the air, launches it like his it pro down. day. Those yeah, that's it. That was the pro day throw. Yeah. That was the yeah. best throw of the pro day season. Okay. Uh, I'll get you to Mac Jones here. How about it? You guys are waiting for this. With oh, Peyton I mean, Brown, this, this is, You're waiting this is for easy. this one. You want I, just, I, I mean, I'm not saying anything. Go ahead. Say anything? I, I'm, good, I'm good be... wheel hunting over yeah, here. Yeah. Hey. Yay. Or Mac Jones. Come on, Mac. Way to work. Uh, Even in I the loss. I don't dispute this one. I won't uh, dispute it. Uh, so, look. I mean, like, 
watching all the throws this morning kind of resonated with what I was watching during the game. Is he was getting the ball out quick, and he was getting pressured a ton, and I thought he performed well under pressure as it kept showing the graphics in-game of how he's doing against the Blitz and against pressure. Man, they came after him, and he delivered. He did what the Patriots asked him to do again. And so when we went back this morning and watched the throws, you're like, all right, well, how many deep balls did he really pass up? How many opportunities to extend the ball down the field did he really turn down in this game? Virtually none. It just didn't, they just didn't send a lot of guys beyond 15 yards. You know what I mean? And then there was maybe one opportunity in, on the Bucks, in the Bucks territory. It was like a third and four. Maybe could have taken an end zone shot. He still ended up getting a first down. So, I mean, it was hard to downgrade him on that. So we'll withhold the plus from more of a, like, philosophical situation. To, otherwise, I thought Mac was phenomenal. No, I think he was terrific. And I think he's a great fit in this offense. Uh, when you look at the way they want to play the small ball, yeah. they're just getting the ball out of his hands really quickly. They want to play power football. The problem that they run into is there's a ceiling to playing like this. Like everything around them has to be start getting crowded. Perfect. Yeah. The defense has to play well. The running game has to give them something. And they have to cash in on every opportunity because, man, it is hard to go the length of the field on 12 play drives. Yeah, Professor Lewis will give you extra credit if you throw the ball over 15 yards. I'm just putting <laughs> that out there. You can go above We start to get plus. some of those. We'll get yeah. that plus in there. Absolutely. All right. Let's get to Justin Fields as I throw my pen at you. Justin Fields, again, off last week to this week, looked completely different. There was a lot of play action. There were shot plays down the field. You saw that explosive arm he has. You talk about just a beautiful deep ball. He can drive it. He can layer it. This was, this was what this team can be. Run the football, like be efficient with the run accurate. game, yes. and then go off play action, take your shots. That's where he's comfortable. Ball security had a sack, a fumble, had a pick. Um, but overall, that's an A performance from Justin Fields for me. Look, he, he looked good. He looked comfortable. Yeah. Bill Lazor did a good job of putting him in some situations. Whoever was calling the plays, Lazor, Matt Nagy, they did a good job of giving oh, him an opportunity to do what he does uh, very, very well. And the Bears' commitment to the running game is the thing that stood out to me. David Montgomery having over 100 yards, they really settled this offense down. It allowed them to play the way they wanted to play, and they were able to play from ahead. Sounds offensive, like the, line, offensive line is built to run. Not, well, not that too. And, and too. it sounds like Matt Nagy saying today that when Andy Dalton's healthy, Andy yeah. Dalton is still the starter. So maybe, story. It, maybe yeah. that's the last yeah. grade we get to give on Justin Fields here for a minute. We I got mean, Buck. On. Look, I got Trey Lance Let's go. in San Francisco, and this is very similar to Chicago because Jimmy Garoppolo is the starter, but lo and behold, here comes Trey Lance. He gets an opportunity to play. I'm going to give him a B- minus for his efforts. Look, I feel like Trey didn't come in with all of his notebooks and pencils, so I'm going to give him a chance because this didn't look like I wanted it to look in terms of clean, but the splashy plays, they show up. Mixed bag when it came to throwing. He missed some throws, but the athleticism, the way he's able to make up for some of his mistakes with his athleticism stands out. I can't wait to see next week That's what when I'm, he gets an that's opportunity what I'm to have a game plan about. built for him. What are we going to see next week? Yeah, I want to see if they're going to design this offense right? around him. It looked like he was kind of running that Jimmy G offense. But to me, when I look at the comparison between a couple guys like Mac Jones and Trey Lance, let's use a baseball comparison, kind of an old school, new school. When we were growing up and somebody was four for five with four singles, that was a great game. And then now, all of a sudden, this new wave of baseball, you'd rather have the guy go one for five, hit a three-run home run, because yeah. it's about production and points. Yeah. I think Trey, it, it's not going to be a wow statistical performance in terms of the completion percentage. It's not always going to be easy yeah. on the eyes, but he's going to generate explosive plays, and it's going to lead to points. So to me, it's kind of an old-school, new-school yes. way of the, of the way the position's being played. 49ers and Cardinals next week from Arizona, another oh, NFC West showdown. That is, that is going to be a good, a good one. one. I, ideally, what kind of effect, because we haven't really seen it yet, do you think Trey Lance will have 
on this 49ers run game? Because we talked about that. That was mm-hmm. kind of the exciting piece of this offense, right, Bucky? And yeah. maybe now we finally get a chance to see it. Oh, if I'm if I'm the Cardinals, I need to go all the way back and find that RG3 film from his rookie season <laughs> wow. because I think we'll see some of that power run game, power read, quarterback design run where he may throw it eight to 12 times. And those 8 to 12 touches will open up the rest of the running game. I'm excited to see what it looks like. One thing quickly on that game is you look at that Arizona team. They went against Tennessee Titans, who have a physical reputation. Yeah. Beat them up. Yep. The Rams, the best defense in the NFL last year, they beat them up. Took care of it. Now we'll see what it looks like with the 49ers and the Cardinals at the line of scrimmage on both sides. It's going to be fun to watch. No question. Looking forward to that matchup. One of the best ones of week five. All right, let's kick off our Elite Eight here on your Move the Sticks Monday. We're talking improvements. That is the name of the game, the theme for today's Elite Eight. And, uh, well, it didn't feel like, after all the talk about the Chargers game plan last week against Mm -hmm. the Chiefs, didn't Mm -hmm. feel like the Eagles employed employed the same (laughs) uh, type of strategy here, which led to a nice uh, improvement performance from the Chiefs offense and Patrick Mahomes. Really, the Chiefs offense has continued to move the ball each and every game. It's being able to eliminate some of the self-inflicted wounds, and Patrick Mahomes did that in this game. Had one interception, but outside of that, he was able to to balance (laughs) being aggressive and taking your shots when they were there. Uh, but just taking the layups when you get them as well. I thought it was a, a really under control game from Patrick Mahomes. And when he does that, you see numbers like those. Yeah, you see those numbers and you can understand why the Chiefs are so tough to beat. The Cowboys are becoming a team that's tough to beat like that. When I look at the Dallas Cowboys and what they're doing, yeah, defensively, man, I am really impressed with Micah Parsons and Trayvon Diggs and Dan Quinn's system. When you think about how they want to play and how they want to get after. They want to play man-to-man and they want to get their hands on the ball. Dan Quinn has really unlocked his defense by allowing his best athletes to take over. Michael Parsons up front, Trayvon Diggs in the back end. Those two guys have really sparked a change in Dallas. Trayvon Diggs, season's worth of interceptions through four games, sitting there with five. Uh, Talked about that a little bit. That was a big reason why the Cowboys were able to kind of pull away in that third quarter, those two Trayvon Diggs interceptions off Sam Darnold. Uh, Elsewhere in the NFC East, I'm going to give a little credit to the New York Giants and to quarterback Daniel Jones. Absolutely. I mean, career day for Daniel Jones, over 400 yards passing. In fact, I was looking at this. This was the first even 300-plus yard performance he's had since his rookie year. It speaks to the explosive pieces they have on this offense. Kadarius Toney getting in. You saw the John Ross deep touchdown. Daniel Jones, first, just, I'm sorry, just the second game in his career that he's had touchdowns uh, on deep passes twice in the same game here. This one is Saquon Barkley uh, allowing Saquon to do his thing, catch and run. So big for, for Daniel Jones. Was not sacked in this game. And I mean, there's so many positives for Daniel Jones in this Giants offense. Big improvement this week. Early take, real quick, draft take here. The Giants could end up with two top ten picks, right? Mm-hmm. They have the Bears pick. They have their own pick. I think Daniel Jones, from what I've seen thus far, is a better quarterback option than anything in this upcoming draft. He might get a chance to get two guys that can help him in the top yes. ten in next year's draft. So just something to keep an eye on. I'm with you. Glad to see him uh, get rewarded uh, for, for his play. Context, I'm going to go to the Bills and their defense. We Talk about Josh Allen, this offense, high-flying, and what we expect of them and a Super Bowl-caliber team. Big test for them coming up this week, by the way. Uh, But their defense, this is the second shutout for them. This is a Houston team. I know they're not very good offensively. I don't care. When you look at numbers like they put down in this one, when you get up 109 total yards, 1-9 on third down, you pick up four picks, you sack the quarterback three times, that is doing what you're supposed to do against an inferior team, and that is completely dominate them. So this Bills defense... 
looking like they are a much improved unit than what we saw last year. They are a much improved unit. I love the way they play there, blue-collar football team. And I think what we want to see in Chicago is a blue-collar offense, and I sure. think we had an opportunity to see that. The game plan that they utilized this week with David Montgomery and Justin Fields, this is the way that the Chicago Bears have to continue to play. Run it, throw it down the field, utilize the athleticism that you have, because lo and behold, I looked up and Mooney had – five catches. They're throwing it down the Too field. The they're, they're making it happen. And Justin Fields only has 17 pass attempts, but 209 yards. They ran the football effectively, and they controlled it with their defense, playing solid. They can win games like this. Their first drive was the blueprint. Nine rushes on a 12-play yes. touchdown drive to open the game. What does that set up? Play action down the road that you love from Justin yes. Fields in this game. Whoever called the plays... That was the way to work for a rookie quarterback in Justin Fields who's got that explosive playability uh, as well. I saw some improvement uh, from the Ravens' explosive mm -hmm. wide way to, receiver. Way to guess that right there. Well, yes. It almost got away from you, and then you got yes. it right back on the line and yes. reeled, it, reeled it right back Can in. Can I get the A on that one? Get that? All right. <laughs> Let's bring it back here uh, to primetime Jet Hollywood, Marquise Brown, whatever you want to call him, call him a big-time playmaker uh, for the Ravens in this game. This game was tied at seven here, and Lamar Jackson, terrific throw on his end, almost mm. overthrew a wide-open Marquise Brown, and look at the diving reception in the end zone, hangs onto it. This coming after a rough outing against Detroit. He had two officially official drops, if you will, last week. I thought there was a third that he should have had but didn't, and Lamar saying he always trusts Marquise Brown to make a play. That's why, right there, big-time improvement from Jet. Yeah, big-time improvement, and you have to like that. They needed to stretch the field to open up this offense. 300-year game from Lamar Jackson. Change the dynamic when it comes to the Ravens. He looks better in number five, too. I like that. Uh, I'm going to go to Carson Wentz. Watching the tape last week, remember he had the bad ankles, and when you went and watched the video, I was like, man, this ankles does not plural. look good. He looked... He looked like he was old. He looked like he couldn't move. <laughs> there were major issues there with Carson Wentz. This tape was much better. And I don't know necessarily that the offensive line protection was great. When you watch it, there's a couple plays. You see what Jalen Phillips yeah. did to Eric Fisher on the edge. Uh, pockets were collapsing. I thought Carson showed some real grit and toughness to hang in there uh, and get a win. I think this is what? He had lost seven games in a row, uh, personal yeah. losing streak there. So to snap that, it was a big improvement for Carson Wentz and really a must-win game for the Indianapolis Colts. By the way, Colts. how about Mo Alley-Cox uh, yeah. kind of uh, stepping up as a big-time weapon in this Colts offense? He is a hooper, big-time yeah. hooper. Uh, how about the Browns' defense? Uh, Joe Woods has his defense playing and playing at a high level. And the big thing that you see from great defense is that they can make adjustments in the middle of a game. First drive, the Minnesota Vikings go up and down the field. 80-yard drive, the Browns are having a tough time figuring it out. The rest of the game, they held them to 175 yards. And you look, they are all over the field. This running game from the Vikings was terrific. They shut that down. They were able to make Kirk Cousins uncomfortable, didn't give up the big plays, and they turned it over. It's everything that you want to see from the Browns. And the Browns are a Super Bowl team because of their defense and the running game. If the quarterback steps up, that's what gives them a chance. Real quick, Miles Garrett was gap jumping in this game. It's the freakiest thing I've ever seen. He's literally <laughs> lining up and jumping into other gaps. I, he's, uh, he is a different bird, man. I, I love the improvement within the framework of a game. You saw that first drive yes. that we talked about from the Vikings, and then they really clamped down. So love to see that uh, for this, uh, this kind of segment as well, which not only goes week to week and beginning of the season to now, but also within a game. You go into your shower feeling tired but as soon as you reach for the irish spring 
your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Oh, uh, you're scouting these rookies through four weeks, DJ, and liking what you see from these 10 guys, uh, a couple of guys that stood out to me. Creed Humphrey as uh, a second-round pick, making an impact for the Chiefs along that offensive line. Pat Sertan, top 10 player uh, and second corner off the board for the Broncos. But let's start at the top with Micah Parsons at a position of strength already for the Cowboys, and, man, he's really added to that defense. Yeah, you know how dynamic he is. You know how explosive he is. To me, what stood out is how versatile he's been. When they had a need arise for him to come and rush off the edge, all he did was generate consistent pressure. He's got three sacks already on the season. And his close, sideline to sideline, his range against the run is phenomenal. So, to me, it's a close battle between him and number two, Rashawn Slater, but I end up giving the edge here to Micah Parsons. And then let's look at the number two and number four rookies who come from the same team. Talk about winning on a draft right now. The Chargers are winning. Two guys in your top five with not only Rashawn Slater, but with Asante Samuel Jr. in the second round as well. Yeah, and Buck, we talked about Mm -hmm. Asante Samuel Jr. The playmaking skills, they've translated from college to the NFL. Yeah, they absolutely translate. He understands it. He gets it. He delivers the turnovers. But both of you guys that are playing for the Chargers right now are balling out of control. And it's exactly what you want to see. You want to see your top two picks make plays and make them consistently very early. So... What I like about Rashawn Slater is he has been the dude. He has been effective from day one. You put him in left tackle, you don't have to worry about it. And then Asante Samuel being the playmaker that he's always been, he shows up each and every week. And again, this is how you win with high-value draft picks, right? We're talking about these. Are, yep. Asante was a top 50 pick, right? Correct. So we got two guys here in the top 50. We're tracking that, by the way, throughout this season. A bit later uh, here on a Move the Sticks Monday, we're going to look at some of these teams that, are, that have had the most top 50 picks and how they have translated to a franchise's success or lack thereof. All right. Also, want to get to a couple of other these Alabama rookies that ended up uh, back-to-back on your top 10 at Mac Jones. And uh, Devontae Smith. Yeah, Mac Jones. You know, we've talked a lot about Mac Jones earlier in the show on his rookie report card. What he's been able to do is just be efficient, accurate, make good decisions, deliver the football on time where it belongs. Uh, But Devontae Smith, I know some people are concerned, Mm -hmm. well, maybe the Eagles are going back to the wide receiver well too often. I don't think so. I think that was the right pick for them. Buck, he's a smooth route runner. He's had a couple drops, but we're seeing him not only underneath, his ability to get vertical and over the top is going to help stretch things out for Jalen Hurts. Yeah, the one thing that stands out when you look at Devontae Smith, his ability to get open at the line of scrimmage, press off his tempo is fantastic. does a great job of catching the ball. And even though I was worried about his size when he came into the league, showing no ill effects of the physicality and toughness that is needed to play on the outside – he is a classic number one receiver, and he is going to anchor this passing game for a long time. Yeah, they get him the ball quick sometimes on those screens, and he can get down the field in a hurry. And then you saw just work in the middle of the field as well. There's nothing he can't do uh, as a wide receiver. Uh, towards the bottom of your top ten, another couple of intriguing guys, Javante Williams yeah. and, uh, and Jeremiah Usu-Koromo, two of our favorites coming into the draft. Yeah, Javante Williams, you want to know how physical he is, go watch the tape <laughs> from the other day against the Baltimore Ravens, see how physical he is. And then when you look at Jeremiah Usu-Koromo, how they're using him, moving him around in that defense, defense. He's been also outstanding on special teams. Just a little cherry on top for what he's brought to the Cleveland Browns. Dynamic, explosive, physical playmaker. 
Look, physical playmaker gives you an opportunity to do a bunch of different things in the back end. We've talked about this defense playing at a high level. Just a miss well, if you want to play at a high level, you get high-level players. This is a guy that we talked about being a first-round talent. He is playing like that even though he fell to the second round. The way he seeks and destroys kind of reminds me of Buda Baker in Arizona. Yeah. I mean, just flying all around uh, the place. And so, look, let's talk about a team in the Browns. Like, you know, you get Awusu Kormo in the second round. Greg Newsom wasn't active in this game, but mm. hitting on picks at the back end, yes. right, of a first round yes. or in the back end of a, of a second round. I mean, like, that is that is an, an acquired skill, right? I mean, it takes – It's that, a new that, era in yeah. Cleveland. <laughs> and exactly. Andrew Berry, tip of the cap, because forever we would talk about the Browns blowing top five top picks. Top five picks, right? And now, now they're, hitting, now they're hitting on their ones – hitting on late yeah. ones and they're hitting on on ones beyond the first round all right so the full list of dj's rookie rankings coming out on wednesday you can find that nfl.com slash rookie rankings rocket and roll it here through a couple of other games that we were watching like we love to come up with sometimes you get those two word two word scouting yeah you, you two or three words scouting reports a yeah. quick quick little way to kind of get notes. those yeah the cliff notes version of some of these scouting reports we're going to do that for some games that we saw in week four. <laughs> we'll start with the Ravens and the Broncos, Bucky. You got two words to describe that game here for us? Uh, there's a song, uh, I think, Locked Up oh. Won't Let Me Out. Wow. Um, that is yes. what the Denver Broncos were. They were locked up by the Baltimore Ravens, and they couldn't get out. Seven straight series after they scored a touchdown, ended in a punt, and then the eighth one was an interception. Drew Locke participated and played in a hand in some of that in the second half. Just could not get it going. The Baltimore Ravens defense, we know, is fantastic. They want to bring pressure. They're going to play man-to-man. But Denver, they have weapons on the outside. Couldn't win, couldn't get open, couldn't run the ball consistently. It was just a really, really tough day for the Broncos' offense. And so they were locked up. They wouldn't let them out. Maybe they'll let them out and play next week. Yeah, the other two words I was going to say were angry Vic. Oh, yeah, he was <laughs> not, not pleased at the end of that with game. With a run at the end of that sure. game. But look, they were without Jerry Judy, without K.J. Hamler, and when Teddy Bridgewater well, They're going to be down, without K.J. Hamler for, yes, they for the, used that, to that. the rest of the yeah. year. Exactly right. So, uh, yeah, that was, a, that was a rough watch for, very, uh, for Broncos fans on offense. I'm no not punting question. on the Broncos, though. I know a lot of people have said they were, their record was the result of their schedule. They were king of the cupcakes, though. They, yeah. But I'm not, I'm, I'm not running away from them just yet. That's, there's a lot of good okay. players on that Got squad. the best of a couple yeah. of rookie quarterbacks uh, in, in weeks two and weeks cupcakes. three, and then saw Fuck. the Ravens they're, in week four. They're, they're going to settle down. They're going to settle down. Okay. We're going to have to rely don't on defense on the, don't here on the Broncos. moving forward. There See if uh, Teddy Bridgewater uh, left the game at halftime with a concussion, did not return, if he can get out of the protocol ahead of uh, their Broncos week five matchup. All right, I'll, I'll move us here to the Packers and the Steelers, and I'm going to give DJ a little bit of a – Hat tip on this one. In case this doesn't go well. It's all this guy's fault. Yeah, if it doesn't go over. Two words for the Packers and one connection in particular, Aaron Rodgers to Randall Cobb. Told ya. Right? <laughs> Told ya. See, I couldn't deliver it like that. So yeah, that's no, why you, I can, you, I'm, a, I'm the right to script, but you yeah, executed yeah, it beautifully. See, that's, that's, that's what we do. Uh, all right, so look. You know, I don't know how much Aaron Rodgers really, um, you know, requested and or demanded this move mm. in the offseason by the Packers uh, to go get Randall Cobb from the Texans, bring him back to the Packers. But, man, did it pay off this week. Five catches, 69 yards, pair of touchdowns. First multiple touchdown game for Randall Cobb since 2015. 
15. <laughs> Man, it felt like old times again. And now, I mean, Randall Cobb tied with our guy James Jones for the third most touchdowns caught from Aaron Rodgers. Look, it was a big piece of this game. They needed him in this game. And uh, look, I, I guess just listen to Aaron Rodgers is the moral of this story here, DJ? Well, I think familiarity. I mean, you're yeah. always going to want familiarity and just be comfortable with your guy. And that's his guy, man. Yeah, told uh, you. Okay. Around the cop. Told, Told ya. All right. Uh, can I jump right. in on yes, this game? Yes, please. All right, Steelers I'm going to jump in on this game and flip it over to the Steelers side. And I don't know a nice way to say this. It's just slow motion. It just, when you watch the Steelers, it feels like you're just watching an offense in slow motion. And previously I'd say, oh, man, they need to take their shots down the field. They actually tried to take shots down the field. They hit one in this game. But there were other opportunities. They just were not able to get on the same page. Ben had some misses. Driving the ball outside the numbers, the perimeter is, is a difficult task right now, and there's just way too many of these where you've got some guys running down the seam. Juju Smith-Schuster got open over the top several times in this game. They just they couldn't execute, Buck, and it's just an offense that's just so methodical. It just It's in slow motion. Yeah, man. it's methodical. You have an aging quarterback who looks like me throwing drills. Um, <laughs> just has a tough time pushing the ball outside the numbers. And so, you might warm up. Don't sell yourself real. short here. I mean, no, it looks like that. It's, 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 I need a crow hop to try and get it there. So... I don't know what to do with this offense because they do have some intriguing weapons on the outside, but the offensive line is bad and the quarterback is limited. They have to play great defense and try and yeah. figure out a way to. What's the pass grind forward here, right? I mean, is this are they know. is this like the Patriots' offense here? Is that what we're I mean, saying? Like it, when you can't run the football, it, it, then you're getting every, the defense is climbing uh, down. There's, there's a down. reason when you go in every defensive coordinator's room in the league, they have up near the top of the list on their board limit explosives, yeah. and you go into the offensive coordinator's room. We have to generate explosive, explosive plays. Like, that's what this league is, man. And if you've yeah. got an offense that can't get them and you've got a defense that can't limit them, you're in big trouble. And that was the case uh, for the Pittsburgh Steelers, really, on both sides uh, of the ball in this game. Final game of week four coming to you from inside SoFi Stadium, right next to where we sit here on this Move the Sticks Monday. It's Monday Night Football, Raiders and the Chargers in this Highly competitive AFC West division tonight, 8.15 Eastern time. DJ's going to be on the call with Matt Money-Smith for the Chargers radio broadcast. And I know you've been looking ahead to this one here, DJ. Uh, so I know you get your eye on these edge rushers in this game for both teams, which I guess is a little bit uh, of a departure from what we've been talking about with Raiders yes. teams of recent years. Yeah, the Raiders have a couple really good edge rushers, bringing over Yannick Ngakwe, pairing him up with Max Crosby, and, and studying and getting ready for this game. Uh, Buck, I want to get your thoughts on this, because when, when you're looking at Max Crosby, I wrote down Jared Allen. He reminds me yes. so much of Jared yes. Allen when you study him, what he can do. So you've got the Chargers. Rashawn Slater is playing as well as any left tackle in the league. Storm Norton on the right side has had some issues. So Max Crosby, Storm Norton, do they give him help? That's one thing yeah. to keep an eye on. And then Alex Leatherwood, the rookie right tackle for the Raiders, he's going to see a lot of Joey Bosa. Look, this will be interesting because Gus Bradley is certainly familiar with the personnel with the Chargers. He understands how to do it. But this is a Raiders team that they line up. They don't bring a lot of pressure. They are one of the least blitzing They're going to rush forward. The they bring they pressure, forward. but not extra drop. bodies. Yeah. yeah, and so it's, it's, it's going to be really interesting. I want to see how Derek Carr plays. Because Derek Carr has been playing at an MVP level. But this is a game where the Raiders may need him to do even more. Because this may break into a shootout. Because the Chargers are going to put up points. How does Derek Carr respond? He's responded well early this season. But now this is a big stage, primetime game. Everyone watching. Let's see if we can turn it up a notch. Other matchup here, Derwin James, Darren Waller. Ooh, that's, yes, that's gonna sir. Be fun. That is uh, certainly one of the primetime matchups uh, within this matchup. Another side of the ball that I'm kind of looking at here is also in that Chargers defense, and it kind of hinges on the availability of Josh Jacobs tonight yeah. for the Raiders. You know, whether he's good to go, how much does that affect 
how Vegas tries to take advantage of what is the last-ranked rush defense in football right now. Peyton Barber looked pretty good uh, yeah. getting thrust into action. So I, even if Josh Jacobs doesn't play in this game, I anticipate the Raiders are going to want to make this a physical line of scrimmage game and try and establish their identity in the run game early in this one. Yeah, no, it has to be a physical game. I also think the Chargers need to be able to run the ball some. They don't have to run it a ton, but they have to run it some. You don't want Justin Herbert to have to get into that 45, 50 throws per game if they can just get a little bit of running to balance that. Yeah, I mean, there's so many different storylines here. And again, uh, the Raiders are one of those teams, as we're talking about, that we'll be watching tonight. We're tracking those high-value draft picks. Man, they've had a ton of them here. Yeah. And you'll get a first-hand look at a few of them, especially if Josh Jacobs is able to go. Jonathan Abram saw Henry Ruggs kind of start to come to life a little bit this year. Uh, I mean, I mean, we could sell all aspects of this game. At the end of the day, Derek Carr, Justin Herbert, let's go. The most what is beautiful it? What's stadium it be? in the NFL. It's a stone it throw be? away from where we are. It's going to be fun. That's what we're talking about right now. Monday Night Football, <laughs> Raiders and Chargers in the AFC West. Are you coming, by the way? Uh, you know, that's um, a no. Jeez. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So I'm sorry. Ask me for a pass. Maybe I can help you out a little bit. Oh, now. Now, yeah. Now you say the tickets are available. Hey, guys, you want to hit up DJ and his mentions for uh, any tickets. Apparently, he's got some available. I have got a few recommendations. All right, here we go. Requests, I should Thanks say. for being with us here on Move the Sticks on this Monday. We'll see you next week. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.